You're good to go? I am. <laughs> Excellent. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talk to Danielle podcast. I am your host, Danielle C. Baker. And before I introduce today's guest, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to whichever channel you're listening or watching from. And today, I have an amazing guest. So those who listen to me regularly know I, I, all my guests are amazing, but this one in particular, uh, really uh I'm so happy to have her on because she talks about a subject that is very, very important. And it's all about food inclusivity. So for those of you who have dietary restrictions, allergies, uh, if you're vegan, vegetarian, you know exactly what we're talking about. So I'm introducing our guest today, the lovely Heather Landex. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. (laughs) <laughs> now we we know each other from uh, our publisher where we uh we started our books and I, I just love your book and the work that you've been doing around it but before we start talking about what you do can you tell us a little bit about uh tell us your story and how you got to where you are today well I think like most graduates I graduated with a biology degree not knowing what on earth I was going to do <laughs> I disappeared immediately even before graduating you know the ceremony and everything I disappeared to Australia you know, I'm, I'm British, so it was a bit pretty much the opposite side of the world. I had a friend mm-hmm. there, so I was, I was supposed to go there just for a few months. Um, but I had ideals of being a conservationist, you know, tracking animals and being out in the outback and all of these things. Um, and I did do that for a while. Most, I did it as a volunteer and then I helped some PhD students and I did some quite cool jobs like possum tracking and tagging stingrays and that kind of thing. But actually, conservation is pretty gruesome. And I found a lot of the thing, like some of the animals die in the traps or a lot of conservation work is killing stuff like yeah. pest control and invasive, especially in Australia, there's a lot of invasive species and they poison things. And if I trap a cat, for example, I'm a complete cat lover. Mm-hmm. I I just can't do the thing I'm supposed to do, which is kill it, basically euthanize it. I basically give that job to someone else because I couldn't, couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So I eventually retrained in New Zealand. I went and be- tried to become a, I was a dive master for a short while. But it's not one of those careers that you could probably sustain very long. There's a lot of lift. It's quite a laborious job and you have to have like that energy and dive mm-hmm. in the same sites and things like that. It soon wore thin. So I returned back to Britain and retrained in the protection of humans because you don't tend to control disease and things in humans by killing them <laughs> or hurting them you know right. you know, there's some ethics involved there so, so I, I retrained in the conservation of humans which is environmental health and then I had a sort of affinity with the biology background for bacteria and gross stuff study <laughs> of you know diseases um so I became a food food inspector but quickly moved to the private sector because again I'm a little bit too soft and um, empathetic of people because a lot yeah. of a lot of that kind of work is basically the food police mm-hmm. and you have to like close places down and scare people and yeah. you have to be quite authoritarian whereas I'm more the friendly like I'd like to coach you rather than threaten you with prosecution and and I yeah. think a lot of people don't realize a lot of food businesses are actually criminal because the the standards are that low um, yeah and that was a bit of a surprise in the realities of the job were a bit gruesome as well and not very nice on a daily mm. basis. <laughs> and then I worked at the Olympics, which is a bit of a highlight of my career. Uh, that's where nice. I learned. I, I like working with people that are maybe new to working in hospitality or new to working food and training. So there's a lot of people with the part of the Olympics was to improve the local area. And a lot of people got jobs for the first time. And mm-hmm. a lot of young people are long-term and employed were working there. And that was a really rewarding job. Yeah. And then I, Went around inspecting hotels for safety, so general safety, like fire safety, child safety, swimming pool safety, but also food safety. And I did that in a lot of countries. I met my husband, and now I live <laughs> now I live in Copenhagen with my Danish family. I'm now mm. back in the EU as a Danish citizen, which was rather mm. exciting. And then obviously the pandemic hit, and I couldn't travel. Mm. I actually got locked locked down in Iceland. I wasn't allowed to leave I couldn't get a flight out again um, my family was supposed to join me because I was working there and then they were going to join me so my family never arrived that was quite mm-hmm. uh, terrifying uh, wow. and, uh, <laughs> yeah the pandemic sort of induced like I met you and I was writing a book about food inclusivity because yes. it's not it's not one of the food safety standards 
you don't have to be able to serve people with dietary preferences. You don't have to even be that pleasant to them. <laughs> which in other legislation it's quite discriminatory or not quite discriminatory it's very discriminatory and offensive and often unsafe and harsh yeah and to be a person with dietary preferences is quite difficult and I am that difficult person so I'm, <laughs> I'm best placed to be this uh, advisor to food businesses as well because I have the skill of being friendly in quite confrontational situations yeah. quite often which is which is good because a lot of people when you really touched on the subject there is that you the food industry can be rude to you if you are even if you just don't want the sauce with the food. So imagine when you're there's some other restrictions and you're only asking to make sure that you don't get sick or die and and they make you feel like you're the worst person on the planet for so or you're you really, you fussy not understanding it's life-threatening they think you're exaggerating hypochondriac well, yeah a complainer all of these exactly horrible. you're just being difficult and and uh and then you don't want to as a person because i've lived it myself we mentioned before we started recording my son had severe allergies that, that were deadly and we just stopped going to restaurants because uh, again it was just like oh they're just being uh they're just being difficult but no i mean even just for, for my son it was uh shellfish and even if they were just steaming shrimp, just the vapors, if he would smell it, he would go into anaphylactic shock. So uh, that's not some, that's not an experience you want to have in somebody's restaurant. <laughs> and it's also not something you want your other customers to see if somebody does get sick on location. That's, that's traumatizing. Uh, so, yeah, you you really touched on something that's yep. that's why i wanted to dive Shelf, a little shellfish bit. is a, a famous one as well but yeah. it, a lot of people to, for example pregnant ladies are asked to avoid shellfish <laughs> especially mm-hmm. oysters and things like that and that's a food safety precaution because they're more likely to have a miscarriage or something if they got food poisoning right. um, or it could even kill the mother um but Obviously, if you're eating raw oysters, there is no food safety protection there. It's just taken out the sea and fed to you. So they yeah. have, they do have testing, and then they can recall, you know, bad batches and things. Um, yeah. But actually, I was working in a because I've worked in a lot of hospitality venues as staff, mm-hmm. uh, probably more than fifty in my time before I became environmental health. Um, <laughs> And there was a lady there and she was vomiting on the premises and she was accusing the premises of food poisoning. And actually, it was just an indication she was pregnant. So she was vomiting in reaction to shellfish, not not because there was anything wrong with the shellfish, but just because her body couldn't handle it while she was pregnant. So pregnancy is one of these very strict, temporary dietary preferences. I had a lot of issues when I was um, pregnant, but it was more like Mm. cravings cravings for weird things. Yeah, yeah, it was and the I same with me. I couldn't me. find decaf, decaf coffee. I was trying to be caffeine free, and I couldn't find that here. <laughs> so that, that was a like everywhere I went where there was coffee or alcoholic drinks. I'm like, you've forgotten to include the pregnant people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, I never thought of that. But yeah, decaf is another issue. <laughs> you get judged harshly on that too. I'm a big guy. Well, there's a lot of sober shaming as well. Or if you are vegan or you're avoiding something for health, like some people avoid gluten just for health, not because they're celiac or something like that. Um, right. And they get shamed for it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're on a fat diet. And you're like, well, they're entitled. Entitled mm-hmm. to eat whatever or not eat whatever they want. Yeah. Especially yeah. if people are maybe avoiding alcohol or avoiding alcohol or animal products for a religion, they get they get treated differently. So there's yeah. this whole level of equality going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's uh it's interesting that it's still allowed. You know, it's not allowed in every other industry, but the food industry mm-hmm. is still very uh free to to do whatever they want with it. And so that actually kind of led me to leads me to the then the question I wanted to ask you, is there a, a defining moment? where you 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 knew it was time for you to become, I would say, an advocate, you know, to speak up and speak out for, uh, for uh, about food inclusivity. I think the scariest moment in my life so far, <laughs> <laughs> I was staying in a hotel. It's actually what I write in why I wrote my book. Mm. Um, I'd just become vegan. And so I was ha- 
obviously suddenly looking at labels a lot more closely even though I'm already working in food safety going around places you have to look at labels and use by dates and health and safety mm-hmm. standards and all these things but it never occurred to me about contamination so although I was already vegan I didn't really worry about contamination with milk and egg it's very common by the way <laughs> it's like a good proportion of vegan food is contaminated the way it's produced or the way it's cooked to be served to you it's going to have traces of milk and egg especially shellfish especially Mm -hmm. especially when there's colorings and things that are made from um shellfish or uh cross reactivity which is why i I also have a shellfish allergy Mm. but it's cross reactivity because i'm really allergic to insects and it's the same similar protein so my body reacts to shellfish luckily not in an anaphylactic way. But I ended up in, in an ambulance, not not able to breathe. It turned out later that it's probably hyperventilation of the whole and an asthma, which I didn't know until recently. But at the time I thought I had a severe milk allergy because I had a full body rash. I woke up, my eyes were swollen, it started swelling up even more, and I had this like irritability. And this is what probably I felt like I had an allergy, you know, like it felt mm-hmm. like itching on the inside, my skin was falling off type of thing. And I went to the reception in this hotel because I was traveling around inspecting restaurants. Like, this is what I was doing for a living. And yeah. I was like, I think, I think I'm having an allergic reaction. I rang this emergency number and they said, we're going to call you an ambulance. Um, and I said, oh, so reacting. <laughs> <laughs> so this receptionist gave me just a standard antihistamine. And I mm-hmm. do have, I already, all my life have had uh, like hay fever symptoms, but pretty, pretty bad sometimes, but only on a bad year for pollen. Um, and uh, she said, oh, just go sit over there. And I was working on my laptop and I suddenly felt really weird. And they say mm-hmm. a symptom of anaphylactis, which I already know from training people in allergy awareness. Um, I know there's this feeling of pending doom, like mm-hmm. you just know something bad's happening. So I went to this receptionist and I said, I think, I think I need an ambulance. But I didn't get the words out because I was already like collapsing, basically. And she laid me down behind reception. And it was quite funny because um, my husband had booked the hotel, so they had the wrong name for me. So I was trying to tell the, like, whilst hyperventilating, basically, and, and I was swelling up and the, I, my hands and my feet were bone white. So I was like, I thought I was going into shock, but I was, it's a symptom of hyperventilating. Um, mm. So the irritation was making me have a, have slight asthma and overventilating. So I was lying on the floor thinking I was dying, mm-hmm. trying to tell them my name. <laughs> So, and then I was in an ambulance and once the ambulance was there, they like calmed me down and then, then the symptoms started to go away, but I still had this full body rash and uh, I couldn't feel my face and things like that. It was really scary. Um, and in the hospital, they were like, yes, you've definitely had an allergy. Have you thought it could be milk? And I'm like, well, I'm vegan. Mm. And they're like, oh yeah, it's very common. <laughs> for people yeah. who, who think like avoid milk for, for whatever reason, religion or veganism or just for health, because it's quite a, often a restriction for health reasons. Um, yeah, that's really common that there's milk and egg in vegan food. And I'm like, I did know that. I'm a food safety inspector. Like, <laughs> I did know that. I did know that. Um, so then for about four months until I got to see an allergist, there's a big long waiting list for allergists. So that's actually quite quick. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I had a severe milk allergy. And just avoiding milk is not easy, especially if you're vegan. <laughs> And you're already avoiding a lot of things. Um, And then it turned out it wasn't milk, but I do have a severe milk intolerance, not just lactose intolerance, which is Mm -hmm. every everyday servers and waiters and things confuse lactose free with milk free. And then they confuse again if it's vegan and they confuse again if it's non-dairy, which just means it's not made with milk. Doesn't mean it's not, it's free from milk. Right. And all these terms are so confusing for people, even people like me, who were diagnosed late on with an allergy. Mm. It's just so stressful to go shopping, to go on holiday, to stay anywhere that's not at home. And I can imagine for children, it's very isolating and the cause of yeah. bullying and all of these other things. And uh, and then the food industry just sort of, we have a disclaimer. <laughs> so this is my major focus is these disclaimers. Like, I'm like you yeah. can't just tell them that everything is and everything that is not acceptable because it's excluding yeah. some people from food choice and and freedom from worrying and anxiety and like you said you can't trust anyone Mm -hmm. well and it's not that they're doing it maliciously it's just that they don't know a lot of a lot of them don't know like you said and uh i've had that issue as well with my mom who has been vegan for 
45 years, 30 years. And, you know, there's servers are still saying, well, no, that's, it, it is vegan, but there's cheese in it you know, or there's, <laughs> may, there's mayo in it. And it's, it's like, no, it's not. They honestly believe that it is vegan. It, they honestly believe that it's shellfish free, you know, and, and um, even in schools, because in Canada, there's this law where there's no no nuts, no peanuts, mm-hmm. no tree nuts. Um, and that's that's the law. Everybody's gotten used to that. Everybody's but every other everything else is allowed. So when I found out that my son had shell, shellfish, I, I warned them and say, listen, and some some kids would bring shrimp for lunch. It's mm-hmm. not common, but, you know, some will. Um, and at, at the time, we didn't know if fish was also included in the in his allergies. But the schools would just kind of like almost a disclaimer said, well, the law only says nuts, you know, so we wash our hands of everything else, but you're sending your child off to school and you don't know if they'll come back because nobody, nobody wants to take responsibility for it. And so it's kind of scary a little bit. It Uh, is like this uh, default that the person with the allergies is responsible for knowing everything about the food business and how food is prepared and, you know, the whole food supply chain and what might or might not be in food. And how do you know that, you know, there could be shellfish in a dessert? That's right. (laughs) You know, it's that's right. You wouldn't expect. Yeah. The colorings, those are bad. Or even just the the whole omega-3 fad that came through where we had to have omega-3 and everything and now we had fish oil in milk and fish oil in bread and fish oil because that's apparently for some people that was the only way you could get omega-3 and uh, so yeah looking at labels you don't always see that there's fish in your yogurt and, uh, and for there's yeah, yeah, there's either side of the coin where there's more people with allergies now and they can't figure out why it might even be yeah. air pollution you know or things in our diet already or too much that's right it could be anything I personally think it's a lot to do with stress because when I had my significant moment where I didn't know all of these facts I just never thought about implementing it before for myself (laughs) I didn't realize the struggles of the average person with allergies and I was you know happy with these disclaimers before that point it's not until you live it that you realize exactly but there's so many like the growth of people with allergies people have been born with allergies now and that's like never heard yep. of before and and they yep. can't explain it and the, these are not just you know oh they're sensitive you know like a lot of people condemn yeah. people to being sensitive and that can mean lots of insulting things at the same time but it's, it's like a- if I get a sniff of this I'm gonna die within 20 minutes yeah it is pretty unbelievable and that's why people think it's a joke like people yeah. who would like a casual student working in a bar is like I'm just gonna put nuts on the back on the counter and you're like that nut could kill me and they're like but it couldn't you know like this uh yeah why try it why not just trust what people are telling you exactly I mean there's some people who take advantage of yeah yeah, they will kind of for attention but this is this is a life or you know this is a life you're playing around with I wouldn't take that chance but but people might believe if it's peanuts and I don't know why airlines don't ban nuts as well. Like, I don't see why, what, why is that a problem for passengers not to eat nuts? That really annoys me. Um, yeah. But then it's also people have airborne allergies to milk. Mm-hmm. And milk, milk is actually the most common dietary preference. So like one in five people avoid milk for whatever yeah. reason. And they will all probably have some sort of milk or lactose intolerance. Just be made ill if they eat milk because they're not used to it. Yeah. It's the same with animal products, most animal products. Um, but in children, it's like 5% of kids have yeah. a severe milk allergy. So why yeah. are milk's handed out in skill, schools quite often mm-hmm. and treated like this very healthy thing and you're like, well, I'm not healthy for everyone. Not exactly. It, yeah, exactly. It's not healthy for you if it's going to hurt you. <laughs> but, how, big yeah. does a, how big does a minority have to be before it's just normal that people have allergies? Like, just accept it. That's and that's, right. where, that's where the food industry needs to get to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's what I, I wanted to ask you is because um, fl- food inclusivity, a lot of people, it's, it's a broad um, term, I guess, for some people or everybody has their own interpretation. Some people will just mm-hmm. be like, OK, well, we, we should have a vegan option in our menu or, you know, are we do we have a separate kitchen? Because, I mean, I've worked in areas where, uh, again, for religion, for religious reasons, uh, with the no pork, there's there's some restaurants out there that actually have a separate kitchen where they cook, where they're, they're absolutely sure that there is no 
cork cross-contamination. They're not using the same pans, the same frying, uh, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So what is, uh, with your, because you're a food inspector and everything, mm-hmm. uh, what does, what is the term food inclusivity? What does that entail? It's just about including people purposely, have a policy purposely including people who are normally excluded or find yeah. it difficult to eat out. And that can be out eat out anywhere outside of the home like if you're not making food from scratch for yourself that's eating out because you have Mm -hmm. to trust someone else to understand this um and i think it should be taught as part of food safety but it's not it's sort of an additional extra so if you have this disclaimer you've said we can't serve people with allergies that seems to be enough to be (laughs) (laughs) non-criminal and i don't think that is enough to be non-criminal and a lot Mm -hmm. of people disagree with me because they're like, oh, but it might contain, or and you're like, but may contain is now used as a get out free card, right? Yeah, and I know yeah. in the States, they added sesame to the list of allergens. Mm-hmm. And so some producers started adding sesame because they couldn't deal with the labeling requirements yeah. and in a bit of retaliation as well. Yeah. Yeah, because sesame is everywhere as well. And, uh, but we're talking about a couple of percent of people are affected. And then there's mm-hmm. a, a proportion of those people are severely affected. So the people who are severely affected need to, you know, take extreme precaution. Nice. But then there's a whole market out there from a profitability side of it, especially for milk. There's all these people that are intolerant or there are all these people that just want to know it doesn't contain it. They're not, right. they're not that concerned about contamination unless it's negligent. But what's yeah. negligent contamination? What's unintentional? Is it still negligent? Because it was foreseeable, even if yeah. it's unintentional. And a lot of the time, um, if there's a high, you know, turnover of staff, or it's a very high, very high turnover of food, you know, you know, like yeah. McDonald's or one of the big chains, they can't trust their staff to understand yeah. to enough to enough of a degree. So there'll always be this human error risk, and then mm. they're worried about liability. So, for example, a really good example is in the press, Domino's Pizza. I think this is like 2016. That's a long time ago now. They were asked, yeah. why don't you tell the you know, allergic to peanuts community that all of their products are peanut free in the States? So don't, don't do this in other countries. <laughs> this is just America. Um, and they answered, because we can't guarantee what our other customers do. We can't guarantee our staff haven't eaten peanuts in their break. Yeah. So we don't have a policy that we're free from, even though all of our ingredients do not contain peanuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a very good answer. They're scared of liability. Yeah, and it's. Uh, it's I think it, in that case, it's a responsible um, answer because they they are flat out saying we can't control what people do outside of this yeah. establishment, and I think that's where it gets difficult to, to kind of control. That's where the liability should stop, though. That, that, yeah. you know, if someone leaves their house with a peanut allergy, they have a level of risk. Yeah. And that's the level of risk they have when they walk into a Domino's. And that's, you know, where does the end, when, where does the public liability end? Yeah, exactly. and that is the compensation culture problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and it's the- not like everyone's a certain amount of allergic. There's a variance in how severe people's allergy or how sensitive they are. So someone might yeah. have an allergy, a legitimate diagnosed allergy, but they're, they're going to risk it because they don't care that much. It's just uncomfortable. For me, yeah. I'm... I'm debilitated, but I'm not going to die. So I, mm-hmm. I could take risks for certain pleasures, you know, like if I'm on holiday and I want to eat breakfast, I'll take more risk than maybe if I was, could skip breakfast, you know, for a week. Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't not right. eat for a week. Um, <laughs> but if I had severe allergies, I wouldn't risk it at all. I'd have to take, you know, an extra mm-hmm. bag with me with all my own food. Um, yeah. Really take it to the extreme, especially on aeroplanes, because they probably were, you know, again, if it's not peanut or some of the famous allergen if it's milk they don't they're like yeah there'll be milk on the plane we're going to give it out (laughs) we weren't even we weren't even guarantee we're not going to serve you milk you know um so i think so there's a difference and some i have also heard of extremely good catering companies like you know the elite of the world Mm -hmm. and they've had cases where the the person's had a reaction to food and it turned out down the line after they'd gone through litigation and you know basically settled with them to avoid any extreme fines in the UK especially um it turned out the person had another allergy that they hadn't had diagnosed and that's that's like I've had further allergens 
identified. So yeah. I thought it was milk. It turns out it's probably milk intolerance. So that's why I can't really test for it. I, I can't have a concrete piece of paper that says yes. Right. But whenever I've accidentally had milk and I've traced it back, um, I'm very reactive to milk. But it's it's not an allergy. It's not the classic blood test allergy. Um, but mm. it's probably something to do with shellfish. And yeah. it's correct. You know, if, it, if I'm very allergic to insects, there could easily be an insect ground up in my food. Just yeah. the natural laws of nature that, you yeah. know. And the food colouring. Yes, there's ground yeah. up insects. In, no, but there's ground up insects in our flower. Yeah. Because they can't get rid of them. They can't, yeah. They can't yeah. Filter, filter out the, you know, tiny piece of wing or something that's dropped on, you know, off a plant. You know, in the natural process, it's not ne- negligence. It's just unlucky for me. Yeah, <laughs> I can't control that, so I have to take yeah. medication to make sure that I don't react. Especially if I'm away from home or and take some yeah. precautionary medication. Um, but I could just be in a restaurant where they've got cockroaches. You know, I, I wouldn't yeah. know. How would I know? Or they've put shellfish in my food. You know. Yeah, but colorins that got me. That's probably what happened. The day I had that bad reaction, I probably had some non-vegan sure. sweets that were labelled vegan because I've spotted that again recently. <laughs> yeah, and it was the colourings. Yeah, the colourings, especially the red. And uh, well, let, well let, let's not get into the natural flavours, but <laughs> that'll be a different <laughs> episode because <laughs> that's not vegan either. I saw actually your post on castorium. I think it's called. Or yeah, we had a whole thing on that, but. It's the, it's not vanilla you're tasting. <laughs> so that um, shocked me though. <laughs> oh, that and you know I've ta- I've talked to people about this and they they still go for their strawberry or vanilla ice cream and they, they just don't care even in gum or but, but that'll be a different topic. <laughs> I want to ask you as a food inspector, do you have any secrets uh, that you could share with us that won't get you into I too much? I think I trouble? start I started by <laughs> saying. So the law only protects what's criminal. They can't make you be kind or courteous. Right. And it's the same with, well, it varies in some countries. They do have this thing about, you know, if there's a hair in food, it's criminal. But a lot of countries, basically, as long as they don't kill or injure anyone, right. that's legal. So you might be interested <laughs> actually walking in the kitchen, especially if you have allergies. You walk in a kitchen yeah. and it, they just throw food around, like, and, uh, <laughs> the level of training that is adequate that's quite often in so in general you know worldwide standards the level of training has to be adequate so what is adequate and actually mm-hmm. when it, when you start getting to the like these big companies like Domino's you know the big huge franchises that are all around the world they do have to meet the local standards as well as their own standards so if you do go mm-hmm. in a franchise like you know Burger King or McDonald's, the world's biggest franchises, they do have better standards than the legal criminal standard, you know, so you're actually, because they're enforcing their own franchise standards because they don't want any scandal or any damage to their reputation. But it's all motivated by litigation and how to avoid getting sued and complaints and refunds and that kind of thing. Yeah. But when it comes to... It's not about protecting the people. It's about yeah. not getting sued. Yeah, this is not yeah. quite the same. So that, mm. that's where I go with my business and food inclusivities because it's more more than is required by the law. But you get right. into customer service and communication and, you know, being nice and kind and friendly and inviting and consumer experience. And I think that's right. really missing for the allergic community. Yeah. But even any community, really, where, they have, where there's diet preferences... Mm-hmm. including kosher and, and halal yeah. and things. And yeah, I think there's that... a big misunderstanding. So if something's got a label, so when it comes into a restaurant, it's got a label on it that says it's whichever, you know, yeah. it's claimed to be vegan, claiming to be um, kosher. kosher. Yeah, then they cook it and it's no longer those okay. requirements. That is a huge misconception. Mm-hmm. There'll be places where it's not because it's just the normal culture. <laughs> but yeah. like in the UK, your vegan option is probably cooked in on or next to animal products yeah. so you are eating animal products and that's sort of that's the thing vegans don't often know and they're disgusted and they're horrified and you're like well do you realize how much more you'd have to spend and how mm-hmm. how many places you wouldn't be able to eat if you had this no contamination requirement for your food you'd actually find it very difficult to eat right yeah you're right in your opinion what do you think why do you think um that the 
the food industry is still not really being held accountable for, I mean, there's the whole, as long as they're not killing anybody clause, but why, why do you think that's still tolerated or it, still acceptable? The burden is on the person, especially with people with allergies, because that's probably the most strict requirement, right? Not mm-hmm. dying is, is quite a strict requirement. Not dying yeah. is a strict requirement. But having your feelings hurt or being against your religion is a different different mm-hmm. set of issues. Um, I think it's because they think it's the small minority when it's huge. I think they don't they don't see these people and the people themselves have learned to stay home and avoid awkward situations because the risk of meeting a jerk when you walk into a restaurant is quite high. Mm-hmm. or meeting someone ignorant and it's a lot of hassle and it's inconvenient for the people you're with yeah. so a lot of a lot of people would be loyal to certain companies or certain brands and even yeah. an even a change in recipe could could eliminate you from a whole chain because they've sharing the same machinery and things like that yeah so i think the problem is they don't see this community it's an invisible disability mm-hmm. it's not even treated as a disability that's yeah, true yeah, but it should, be right. treated, it should be treated as a difference, like a characteristic difference that you can't be discriminated against, especially yeah. in schools and places of employment, um, places of study, like language centres and, you know, really simple places where you, you should be treating everyone of every background and diversity equally. Yeah. And usually they're very good at that in other ways, but then they overlook the food. And food is at the centre of everything. Even if you get to a meeting and there's coffee and a cake, <laughs> I can't have that usually. Yeah. Or I have to think ahead and take my own my own milk yeah. or my own snack. And it's interesting because when you think the food is an essential need for any human, so we're talking <laughs> on basic human rights, but we're denying that to some people. And I'm I'm I mean it sounds dramatic we're denying that, but for some people it's a it is a question of life or death. And yeah, it's it's interesting that it's still people are still not taking this seriously like a a human rights, you know, you should have the right to not be sick every time you eat somewhere. Um, and schools, yeah, and it's, could... a, it's a well-represented, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's more than a few percent for each individual allergy. So when you add up all the people with allergies and intolerances for, for the, at least the legally listed, because you can be allergic to anything, but at least the, you know, in the EU it's 14, you know, it varies around the world which ones and how they're defined. Mm. But even for those, you should expect that there's at least a few people in a hundred yeah. that would be seriously injured or die from a mistake yeah. with labeling and a mistake with ingredients. Yeah. And that information, say I give you a list of ingredients. It doesn't have to be in a the secret recipe. It just has to be a list of ingredients. I don't know how to cook it at home myself. And I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but right. just giving me an accurate list of ingredients is actually quite yeah. difficult. And a lot of the time it's the suppliers or the manufacturers that won't guarantee mm-hmm. that it doesn't, doesn't contain something. But that information is useful for a lot of people, people who yeah. are trying to lose weight, people who are trying to follow a different diet for, mm-hmm. for their health. And, you know, there's diets for everything. There's diets if you've got ADHD. There's a diet if you've got diabetes that you can reverse, right. reverse diabetes. There's a diet yep. for, for inflammation, um, you yeah. know, M- MS as well. So people are... <clears throat> loyal to their diets like help them out <laughs> give well, them that's the information thing. yeah and that's another very good point because there's some people even with the medication that they're taking that it has nothing to do with food mm-hmm. here there's heart conditions uh, depression anything the, if yeah, they avoiding, eat avoiding things, potassium avoiding exactly yeah. the potassium i mean my mom can't have grapefruit because she and this it seems she's not being difficult. It's just this is you know if she wants her heart to keep working, she needs to stay away from that stuff. So, yeah, we need yeah. to take that seriously. And for children, you were saying a lot of people just expect the people who have those intolerances or those restrictions to be responsible and take care of themselves. But if you have a four or five year old at school, um, how you know it's it's different when they're in high mm-hmm. school or even in junior high, but. Uh, there is a responsibility. Parents are sending their children to school, expecting them to be mm-hmm. safe. So that it needs to be taken seriously. And- yeah, they have a duty of care, a lot like hospitals. But if, so for example, in the UK, there's these Facebook groups and mm-hmm. it's just some vegans that are willing to take food to the hospital for the vegans because there's mm. no food, there's no food for them. I yeah. went into hospital overnight. They thought I'd had a stroke. It was quite scary as well. Wow. But I was actually very calm until afterwards. I was like, yeah, that was actually quite scary. Um, <laughs> they gave me two bananas for dinner. Mm. And I'm like, 
cool I like bananas but this isn't really going to sustain this, me <laughs> luckily I'm in here is, till tomorrow morning I got offered another banana I was like no you're all right <laughs> that's that's not a that's not a balanced meal it's same with my mom who's vegan she just had a massive heart attack and they were just giving her lettuce you know so was, we we make it a joke and say okay now you're a rabbit <laughs> but you know like there was nothing else yeah they could give her and she was even telling them I could have this and this you know she was making a menu for them and they wouldn't they wouldn't do it so yeah Yeah, I think the mass the mass nature of food these days fast food and convenience food makes it harder to adjust things for people so it's either take it or leave it and we don't we don't have to and they don't have to do you know there's no equal opportunity (laughs) for people with different dietary preferences (laughs) And I'm sure in workplaces it causes, you know, people won't get promotions because they're not that social because they have to go and eat dinner somewhere else and mm-hmm. they inconvenience their colleagues because they have to wipe down the keyboard or, yeah. you know, not, not bring nuts to work as well. And I think yeah. that's just a general thing that everyone should accept is just normal to mm-hmm. not bring the things someone could die from into the office. Well, that's a thing. Yeah, that's one thing we had in schools was if it was, I mean, the nuts was ex- ex- accepted, but, you know, if it was somebody with... Um, any of the lentils, you know, the, things like that, or, or sesame, parents would actually complain, other parents. Mm-hmm. And we were just trying to say, well, listen, if this was your child, how would you feel about this? If your child is the one that could potentially die, wouldn't you want the other parents to kind of, you know, and if your child kills another child, how do you think well, that will it make them feel for the rest of their life? If yeah. your child witnesses the other child dying in front of them, how do you think that's, you know, just keep the bread home? There, there, are, <laughs> cases, there are cases where children have been bullying someone and they've thrown and our boy yeah. died from having cheese thrown at him and um, someone else had a trick played on them and they ate it. I think it was nuts. They'd had a nut put oh. in their food and they, they were just like, like kids do, they were just going to see what would happen. Yeah, yeah. And they died. Like, that's not the right, that's not what they were expecting and that's not what adults expect. And it's because no. it's, not, it's not talked about enough at school. It's exactly. a bit like sexual education. It should be... It's the same sort of education about people's yeah. dietary preferences, people's different beliefs about food, because it, even in a workplace, there's a lot of people are not invited to things or mm-hmm. miss yeah. out on things because it's out of their safety. And you should be mm-hmm. always guaranteed safety at work. Yeah. But are you just going to be told to work from home if you disclose? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> and another yeah. thing to point out, though, is when people leave, leave like the custody of the parents and go to university or away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they're at extreme risk of dying from food allergies because they don't want to be the odd one out in their peer group or right. disclose if they go out to eat, they don't want to be the awkward one or they don't know how to do it for themselves. <laughs> Learn how to cook in a communal kitchen, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So that's that's, a, whole that's like the death zone is like 16 to 25. Yeah. And that's why people who don't live it don't understand. It's It, it goes beyond the food that you're ingesting. It's It's... Mm-hmm. Was that pan washed properly? You know, was there splatter somewhere? Did somebody touch a door handle and not wash their hands? You know, there's so many. Yeah, it's it's, it's, now, a, lot, it's a lot like that. It's not a disability. It's the environment that the environment. disables them. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of scenarios where that is very applicable. And in yeah. the workplace, you should guarantee someone's safety, and that would be, guarantee the thing that would disable them. Mm-hmm. In, in to whatever extent even if it's just like gluten intolerance that might sound insignificant compared to a shellfish allergy but right. it can be debilitating it can put you in bed for a week it can take yeah. all your energy and sabotage a holiday and and yeah, the pain it's, it's just excruciating pain um if anybody who's had a stomach flu or some kind of bad cramping will then can yeah, imagine no, going more sick days and there ends up being huge inequalities in earning power yeah. and you, c- you can't go to the same vacations you have to pay a higher premium to go somewhere that can cater to you and right. all of these things not realized and I think even the government are trying to downplay the actual number first of all because I'd have to do something about it because it's increasing <laughs> so quickly <laughs> right. but the data's old like it is hard thing to survey like how do you get yeah. but if you ask people themselves 20% of people say they have a sensitivity to food Mm-hmm. so if it's 20 percent of people that's pretty much everyone right that's like a good exactly. enough chunk of society but if they keep it at in the uk they say two million people so that's like one in 30 people have a severe life-threatening food allergy mm. is that still not enough people when is it's it enough people not... well that's the thing yeah but you have a you have 
a lot of resources on this. Is that I'm always you work with lawyers, you've worked with all sorts of stuff. So can you share a little bit of where <laughs> you like talking about it? the subject? <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean you have your book. We haven't even talked about this, but it's uh inclusivity is the new Yeah, inclusive is the new exclusive. Yeah. Is the new And actually I interviewed a lot of experts and that was another mo- that was another aha moment, like a cliffhanger in my career. That's where I decided yeah. to do this full time instead of uh working with the hotels anymore um right. and it, it's because it's so significant even marketers are like yeah it's profitable because you'll get the person with the allergy or the wh- whichever diet preference and you'll get their family or the group they're with and you'll get them to promote you and be like anyone else yeah. with my my particular flavor of diet preference you can go here and advertise you and put you in the media for mm-hmm. so there's some restaurants that have completely banned walnuts for an evening and then they've taken it off the menu completely just because they know there's a little boy in their neighborhood that wants to yeah. eat there so he can always eat there because there's no walnuts on the premises oh wow yeah and isn't that a good story and like a that fish and chip amazing. shop but on a monday the fish and chip shop are gluten-free then all all the people in that area are like monday's fish and chips night that's a very big yeah. thing i know <laughs> <laughs> so like yes, afternoon so- tea in the uk especially because it's a coronation today uh, right Prince Charles yeah so right. people will be having scones and jam right this is a very British thing and yes. I'm like high tea <laughs> and it's very it's a very queen like thing to do you know like this is this is how we imagine his mother was, was, yes. was eating right but it's so easy to make a scone or a scone depending where you're from mm-hmm. in the country um <laughs> without butter like it's yeah. just it, and it even looks and tastes the same depending obviously mm. there's differences in the, the alternatives yeah. you use you're like can you not just offer that it's the same as like can you not just offer a gluten-free one yeah it can even be something you have in the freezer just for that person to be included in this celebration exactly yeah it's that simple and it does make a difference and like you say it's it's a it's a market that if somebody knows that people are going out of their way for them to be able to eat that the word mouth is going to is going to be so much more effective than any advertising you would put out um but yeah it's it's i take so many pictures of food it's unbelievable mm. <laughs> like look at this amazing vegan option and then you yes. see if it, it's a vegan option that's also milk free i'm like wow and uh, and it's like it might, if it's something that's not expected like it's not just fake meat because yeah. there's, a, I always get asked this question. I've even got very insulted sometimes because I'm like, I know what you're going to ask me is why do vegans eat fake meat and why do they want it to be fake? You're like, if there was an alternative, I would take it. <laughs> it's right. not my favorite thing to eat the thing I'm not used to eating. And even when I was a meat eater, I only really ate chicken. So it's only the protein I'm trying to replace. It's not, I don't mm-hmm. need anything bleeding. Thank you. I never yeah. appreciated it bleeding in the first place. That's right. You don't appreciate the taste, but the people that are making this food just automatically assumes that you'd want a bacon flavored something, you know, what you're thinking. And it's like even, even people who can't swallow, you know, or people who haven't, yeah. have lost a few teeth. Like they yeah. might need something softer than usual or, you know, they might need the vegetables it. cooked a bit longer. If you yeah. make that exception, I know it takes more effort and it's a disruption of service and it takes everything on the table for everyone might take longer. But you can ask them if that's acceptable, if they want, you know, there's things you can do to make yeah. it very nice for everyone. And because you made that exception, you're then remarkable compared to right. your competition. Exactly. That's what makes you stand out from everyone. But if I'm a general food, in, so say I'm a food safety auditor, which is like the private sector for, you know, mm-hmm. hotel chains or franchises, I'm not, I'm not hired to talk about vegan analogies. I'm hired to do this checklist. It's a bit more complicated than that because you have yeah. to assess things um, based compared to a set of standards, but it's not mentioned. So if I tell um, someone who's taking orders let's just say a McDonald's type scenario. I haven't worked at McDonald's, so I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably the best in the world for their training, actually, but <laughs> which you wouldn't expect, but it's true. Because um, yeah. they, they have such a, a huge reliance on like yeah. high, high level training. Um, but say they weren't trained to know the difference between milk-free and vegan. I'll just mm-hmm. casually ask them like, oh, if I had a milk allergy, which I do, <laughs> um, could I have the vegan option? And if they say, yeah, I'm like, that's so dangerous. And it, yeah. it happens so often. Yeah. It's, the nor- it's the norm. They make that mistake. Right. So that's, that's why I have to like harp on about it so much. 
<laughs> in yeah. my book and on my yeah. I have a blog as well I have I have um free resources on my website as well so mm -hmm. if you need to know this because it's a shock to the you know yeah if you need to process this a bit more it's explained yes. fully in the free resources and the concept of food inclusivity and yeah and the different terms about free from allergens and then non-dairy and those sort of things that people confuse easily yeah we can add that at the end of the uh at the end of the episode, we could just uh, redirect people to your your resources so they can do that. Oh, my website's just my name, so it's just yeah. heatherlandex.com, okay. and and everything should should, should pop up. <laughs> text not my text not my forte, but it should all be there. Otherwise, Sounds I'm just good. I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot, and I put a lot of things there, especially as they happen. That's where yes. I like to report it because there's a lot of food safety officers there, yeah. and obviously I'm a new flavor of food safety officer. <laughs> And I like I like how you post. You, you'll even post the product. You'll be like, "Look what I found! This is amazing!" And then so people can actually look for that label and say, "Okay, I can. I'm, it's safe for me to to uh, to go there." And, There's a whole sustainability yeah. angle as well. So if they if they have vegan options or plant based options, yeah. they usually have a very good sustainability approach to it and how much carbon they've saved by yeah. switching out the the meat for. I don't right. know, some fake meat or avocados. And then people have a debate about avocados and it's, it's always like, what do you want to debate? Do you want to debate? <laughs> who's producing the most carbon? Who's using the most water? Yeah, yeah. There's that, that whole other side of it, yeah. Uh, how is your work received in the food industry? I can imagine that, you know, when you're starting to, to hold a mirror in front of... Mm -hmm all these people, some of them may actually be interested and say, wow, thank you. I, you know, I didn't know where to get this information. And some people may, because they can be rude and, mm -hmm. uh, and mean and nasty. How is it received when you approach people with, uh, with you get the, it is polarized people. I yeah. try, well, I do like to explain until they're persuaded. So I am working <laughs> on the whole industry all at once, but usually, right. usually you met with, um, because I have a food, you know, ex-food police background, I'm vegan, I have allergies, I'm usually met with disdain. <laughs> like they don't, I'm not their favourite person. I'm their most difficult customer. I'm the person that comes in and costs them time and can find them and, you know, right. usually has a bit of an authoritarian role. But once they meet me, I'm quite friendly. It's better mm -hmm. to have me on your side. Yes. So you can ask me questions rather than going to the authority yeah. and rather than having a complainer. Because if you've already injured someone, they're not going to talk to you in the same way that I might, mm -hmm. um, you know, preventatively. So it's a bit like the holistic health healthcare system, yeah. you know, <laughs> and the prevention rather than mm -hmm. the rather than the cure to if it's or if you've already injured someone, it's too late. But you can there's so much you yeah. can do with communication that's nothing to do with compliance. Mm -hmm. So yeah. much in communication communication and customer service that you can save yourself time and yourself more money and all these mm -hmm. all these very logical business issues so once right. I break down that initial shock of oh god she's one of theirs then <laughs> 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 then they, they usually see um there's, there's two ways of doing it they either have no idea what I'm talking about and then yeah. it's like a like coat um basic food safety up to what's food inclusivity and allergy management or yeah. they're the other way and they're so scared of liability they don't they don't do anything different to the status quo mm -hmm. so there's a lot of places that they have like legal advisors that just copy paste these it's a bit like having a cookie policy on a website you can have one that's relevant or you can have one that's just cut and pasted from a legal website that's um, right but what i'm saying is to provide more than that mm -hmm. yeah yeah and once they get to know you because i know you <laughs> like this you said oh no she's yeah. one of those but no you're you're more than that. you're I not need to that do at more all. like this yeah thanks for that because yeah. i do need to do more of these like nice chats with people and it is logical it is it's profitable yeah and, then, and it's very and then, kind and a lot of people have the right intentions already yeah when people are open to that conversation they get to see how important it is they see a different side of it that they wouldn't have seen before and that's why I appreciate the work that you do because you're not doing it just to be like you know I have rights or nothing I mean you do but it's more than that it's educating people on a topic that nobody has uh, information about or, or realize how important it is um 
there is a question I need to ask you. I try to stay on track uh, when I do these interviews is as I'll keep it on the topic. But you said something earlier and my, my mind is just like, I need to know more. So this is my own personal question. It has nothing to do with our listeners. I'm sure some of them will. You mentioned you were a possum tracker <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I And the stingray tag and, and all of that. But possum tracker, can you please tell me a little bit more about that? And how does yeah, that look literally like? I used to track possums with a rate. So they'd have a little collar. Mm-hmm. They have a little radio collar and I'd go track them at night in the middle of the... I'd be in the woods in uh, Australia. <laughs> and there's two types of possums and we were trying to track if like one's one's the bad guy and one's the native, you know, like okay. there's the big possums and then there's the soft, like a lot of the Australian marsupials are a bit vulnerable to okay. invasive species. Okay. And occasionally we'd find a snake instead of a possum. It been We only found a radio collar. <gasps> yeah. And then, so okay, been... so so sometimes we just track them, see where they are, and see how many mm-hmm. there are, and that kind of thing in their behaviours. Other times we trap them and check, do a health check because I was working with a veterinarian, so I I didn't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you're yeah, sometimes you're weighing them and that kind of thing. That's quite nice. But I also did lizards and small mammals, like uh, the equivalent mm-hmm. of a of a mouse, but more marsupials. I will give you the Australian names because they sound really weird. Um, <laughs> I like handling animals. Yeah. Um, even wild animals, like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> like, they're going to try and kill you, but it doesn't bother me. <laughs> but I can't, I can't, I'm really, I'm really like sentimental. I can't, what's, what's the word? I'm too empathetic for the animal. Yeah. I can't, like, uh, you know, chip them and I had to put microchips in. And um, with, with things like lizards, you actually amputate a toe and things like that to, to tag them. So it's wow. that you've already you've already collected them, so you know that which one it is. It's like a numbering system. It's so gross. I couldn't take it. I just felt too guilty. Yeah. And with ting- stingrays, you'd actually use a harpoon, and it attaches a tracker on them. And it, it's because not much is known about their effects of because because the shark species in Australia are getting killed off really from fishing, but also because people don't like sharks because they eat humans. Right. It's only actually a couple of people a year. <laughs> right. And it's not it's not the sharks you'd think of, like great whites or anything, you know. So there's all yeah. It is a predator species, but humans kill more humans than sharks. And exactly. we don't go around killing killing them. We're, um, we're not exactly just because we but, see them down on the street. <laughs> so I was like on the sometimes I was attached to the back of a boat looking for stingrays and then we'd harpoon them with the they have like a little tag on the outside. And some of them you'd ca- catch them with a big net and then yeah. they'd I didn't like doing this either because they, they usually tag them in some way. And sometimes they put them inside, like they put a thing inside them because they have quite a big body cavity. But if you right. turn a stingray upside down, it goes to sleep. It's like an That is so cool. Did you not know? Yeah, it's quite cool to watch, but it's also pretty gruesome in parts. Because yeah. you yeah. always have an influence on how much they're vulnerable if you've tagged them in some way or yeah, or scared them. right right and that's that's the hard part for me too like i'm the same as you i've had to do i've done some work with uh uh, controlling fish population and uh we'd have to catch fish and then we'd have to clips part of their fins so we knew that they had been caught so Mm -hmm. we weren't counting the same fish over and over and just that just the clip a a little part off the fin the dorsal (laughs) fin it 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 hurt me so I can't I can't imagine harpooning (laughs) a stingray or uh yeah that's it's it's a different kind of work I'm not I can't do I wouldn't be able to do it but the environment like coral reefs and it's it was all a protected area so it was just me on this little boat with another diver and Right. That was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Just to see yeah. the, the wildlife. Yeah, that's quite the experience. I've, I I love it. Um, is and the there aim any... of the project was to see if it was a good thing that there were more stingrays or a bad thing that there were more stingrays. Okay. But yeah, they didn't tell me the full right? extent. They do end up culling some of them. And I, no, I didn't want to know that. If I'd have known that, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I had right. to like be able to rescue the other person in a remote mm-hmm. boat and drive a boat and learn all these skills for oxygen and you know all of that learning is quite it's quite cool yeah yeah that's quite the life I love it <laughs> I love it you you've you've studied food at every angle <laughs> but I'm allergic to I'm allergic to insects it's no surprise after 
Yeah, I've been bitten by so many things. <laughs> and you were in Australia and you're allergic to insects. Yeah, yeah I got that's... bitten by a redback. Have you heard of a redback? It's not the most poisonous spider. But no, it, but it, I've heard it of It gave them. me a really, really sore leg. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And you've been stranded in Iceland. That's just like you've had both extremes. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Thank you, pandemic. Yes, that was, that was stressful in another way because oh, I didn't know how I could get home. And my children were quite young, you know, a few years ago. They're only yeah. uh, starting school now, so quite oh, young. Wow, that's incredible. I like to ask this question to my guests when they come on is, is there any advice that you wish you would have had sooner in your life just to make your life a little easier? Is there any wisdom or advice? I think I, I would have liked the confidence to advocate for myself. I think I always just, uh... so for example, if I was at school with allergies, there's so much I could have done for myself that would have helped myself not suffer so much. <laughs> And I think uh, I needed to rebel younger <laughs> against the status quo. You know, go and study the thing you want to study. Don't go study the thing that will get you the job because you'll lose interest after 10 years anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is so true. Is yeah, so and true. trial and error has worked for me. Like I started out in biology, came back around to environmental health in people, and now I'm doing something very specific and something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to go, not like do the job for 40 years, retire, and then you die. You know, like, I don't think I'm yeah. do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, I, be- <laughs> I believe that too. We evolve as a person. So what we are interested in would also evolve. Um, and I think you mentioned a lot of people are stressed, you know, and it causes effects on their health. But I think that has a lot to do with it as well. We're just so programmed to say, oh, we stick to it. It's a good job. You know, you have benefits, you have this and that, but I'm miserable, you know. <laughs> and you just and I think you break especially down. in relation to the pandemic even just yeah. being sedentary and sitting in an office you know sitting on zoom like we are now for too yeah. many hours a day is like as bad as smoking that's going to be the next thing that we need to like work or we're going to have to all work on treadmills and that's right that'll be the next thing and <laughs> actually, already, yeah. it's probably the first generation ever that because of technology and things like that that the youngest yeah. generation probably knows more than yeah. the elders now that's yes. quite mind-boggling yeah, and then even for mental health, and the, they're they're definitely more. I've noticed that with the, I don't like to call them the younger generation, but uh, the ones who take over from from us is they're definitely more in tune with how they're feeling, and they're able to speak up. We just have to tough it out. But uh, yeah, the standing desks are already a thing. You know, they're sitting on a rolling ball. We're already starting all of that, so it'll be interesting ten years from now to see what what will happen. Uh, how do you find balance in your life? You're you're everywhere. Like you were. I don't everywhere think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem. It is. Yeah. There's, there's not much of a barrier between my professional and personal yeah. life, and I'm working yeah. on it. <laughs> and I'm yeah. trying to do more things that you know, using technology and marketing and all these. I'm on a huge learning curve with how to reach more people and do less hours in that effort. You know. Yeah. I probably always to... talk a lot, though. It's going to be a consistent thing. <laughs> That's okay. I should do more, pod- do more podcasts. <laughs> you do. You should. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> it helps with that. And I like that. The fact that you, because a lot of people will say that. They'll talk about everything that they, they do. But sometimes you're just like, I I need to readjust. You know, like I, I'm, this, I'm at that same point right now where work and, and home life is kind of, jumbled up again so i need to to but yeah you need to take inventory once in a while and make sure you're still on track yeah, yeah. and i think you sometimes prioritize the adventure and the fun and the unknown yeah because there's loads more uncertainty than there was three years ago yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah and i have to learn how to model it for my kids because mm-hmm. i don't know yeah my parents didn't model it for me because they had yeah. you know standard job nine to five in the uk that's it for 30, 35 years, you know, and that's what they expected us to do. Yeah. Yeah. They still don't understand. I know I have those conversations with my parents. They still don't understand the, like, the way we have to do things now. And then it's like. You can they, learn they in so many different ways now. You don't have to rely yeah. on school. If yeah. school doesn't suit you, you can still learn and be good at something. And you could probably learn in a more beneficial way. That's the way I feel. And I, I feel that I'm in, I'm in the education sector, but I will be the first one to say, and I'll, I always told my children, do what feels right for you. Cause I, I understand what that's like to, 
stress yourself out, go through anxiety and, and all of that and still not use your degree. You know, I'm the same. I have a bachelor's in physics and uh, I am nowhere near that right now. <laughs> I still love science, but... Uh, I've seen some of your videos teaching children about science, so. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. that will always. You still be got a skill. Thing. I that will still that will be the best decision I've ever made was to teach children about physics and sciences. That's awesome, but I'm not making you know I, I'm not I'm not going up in space like I thought I was, but it's okay. <laughs> I think which teachers you get is growing up though is really important. It's what makes the difference, and that's mm. what happened to me because I hated science. I hated math. Um, and I had amazing teachers in high school that changed that for me. And math and science is my thing. Like I breathe it. I, I live it. I eat it. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I, don't, I don't know what would have happened if I went all the way up to a PhD in that. I, mean, I would have gone insane, I think. But uh, you can keep yeah, changing. I, I'd say I, I like science and I'm really nerdy. I'm just not <laughs> academic. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like the hierarchy thing as well. And, you know, some of it's not practical. Some of it's only theory. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's also the way that it's taught is outdated. So that's, that's what I try to work on is changing it up to make it the fun that it actually is. It can be fun. I never thought I'd say the science is fun. (laughs) Physics is fun. (laughs) Food safety is fun. Food safety is fun. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Harpooning stingrays is fun. Yeah, that one just says, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, I also asked this question, and I can't wait to hear your answer just because I know you enough to know that it's going to be a great answer. This is something that a little girl asked me when she was interviewing uh, adults for a school project, and nobody was answering her, and she got all excited when I answered her. So the question is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I love that question. Well, yes. actually, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a TV presenter. Ooh. So I'm probably going towards that being a presenter of some kind and a speaker. That's nice. I just don't, I don't want to grow up is probably the <laughs> most accurate answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And I you don't, don't have to, which is quite a revelation. <laughs> that's right. I think that that's when you know you've made it as an adult is when you realize you don't actually, and this is my personal opinion, you actually realize you don't have to grow up. You can stay, you can nurture that that, that inner child in you for Yeah, and go towards the things that light you up and it feels like play. Yes. If you can earn a living doing that, then you're going to do really well. You're doing great. Yeah. Now, what what are you working on now? What's new for you? Uh, I'm just thinking that's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It really is a good because we ask yes. children this all the time. But yeah, what do you what are you up to I'm, now? I'm working with a, a few like accountability. They're actually business coaches, so it's actually yes. good for me that I've got this accountability buddies. I'm <laughs> actually working on trying to produce more content and ways for people to learn this that mm. I don't have to work. The hours like I don't have to do one-to-ones or I can do courses or nice. teach people in a different alternative way to I don't want to do reading you know <laughs> so yeah. the book's great but then I want to have it in all the other formats where people can learn it better so that's what I'm working on right now and I don't know how to do tech in an easy way so <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the, I'm in this learning process but it nice. will be like blogs and podcasts and ways to that's educate amazing. people really in a fun way yeah, I think it's important and a lot of people will be open to it as well, just if it's accessible. Um, I'm also working of- on it being more fun, like you say, and be more fun and more genuine and more yeah. probably graphic in my, my sense <laughs> of humour comes out um, and bolder, like like yeah. you say, like it is about advocating for yourself and being, yeah. you know, entitled. Be- I've been be called that- entitled in a negative way and I'm like, but I am entitled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's a, it's it's for your health so yeah you should be entitled and we mentioned we talked about this before we recorded as well that we, we need to be talking about the topics that people tiptoe around or that they, they don't want to talk because it makes them feel uncomfortable and and yeah we need to be bold and graphic I'm, I'm the same I will give you I will paint you pictures you cannot unsee uh, but it's necessary sometimes to get to to understand for people to understand how serious this is and um and share stories because it's it exactly. provides comfort for the people that exactly other people are going through the same and they're not some freak with allergies they're not some exactly. you know exception to the rule they are actually entitled and it is possible yes. to 
be included in an easy way. And it's not just them. They, there, there are other mm-hmm. people that are going through the exact same thing because when we don't talk about it, you really think there's something wrong with you. But why am I, you know? Yeah, it's a very in, in, invisible community, an invisible yeah. disability or an invisible, you know, right that's getting violated. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love how you said that. Yeah, absolutely. it is a right that's being violated and people who are not going through it should really remember that it is a, it's a right. Oh, and I think I talking talk about you. things, talking about things that are quite hard and traumatic, <laughs> but with massive amounts of humor, just help yeah. people in some way. That's right. That's right. It makes it more human. It makes it more um, relatable as well. So I, I really and it's also, If you're going to suffer, you might as well get something out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a good anecdote afterwards or a good story afterwards. That's right. Stories are, stories are also entertaining, even if it is, even if it's and sad think- at the end of the day. It's it's the best way to learn too. I find that through storytelling and through sharing experiences, I think you you learn more. And graphic than... examples. Yes, yes, I like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I could talk to you all day about this, yes. but uh, uh, I, I want to thank you so much for for coming on and and sharing your experiences and uh, shedding light a little bit on the importance. And I invite everybody. I will put uh, Heather's information on the, the description of this podcast so that they can follow you and subscribe and, and get those resources if they want to read up on it and uh, start talking about it, start uh, demanding your rights as a person who is not being difficult. Uh, and yes, you are entitled to your safety. So uh, thank you again. Uh, it's, so you mentioned uh, heatherlandex.com. Is there mm-hmm. other... Uh, on LinkedIn as well? Is there other venues that they can follow you? Your book, where can they get my your book? book? My book is on Amazon. So if you Amazon. have the title, Inclusive, the new exclusive. My my name is like the only one on the internet. So that helps. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm inconsistent with social media, but you can find me on all of them. Okay. Even even TikTok, I gave a go for a while there. Nice. I'm gonna, I might do a bit more of that. It's quite fun. It is fun. It is a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put that information in the description so people can, can get a hold of you and see the work that you do. And again, thank you again so much. And I, I really look forward to seeing what else you got out there and hearing more pleasure. of your stories. Yes. Wonderful and, speaking uh, to you. It was wonderful. Yes. And for everybody who is listening or watching, don't forget again to like, follow and subscribe. And uh, don't forget to follow Heather as well on the um, the amazing work that she does. And uh, until then, stay safe, stay awesome, and we'll talk soon.